I think a common theme that comes up over and over again in our weekly lab meetings and even our conversations with each other is this huge sense of imposter syndrome. And I think that when I started, I was always like trying to sit in the corner quietly and just take notes of what they said. And now like a couple seasons later, this is my second time being behind the microphone. Well, I always say our very first episode was a highlight for me because mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe we pulled it off. <laughs> I was like, look at us, we did it. You know, we decided we wanted to do something and we did it. You don't want to be the white savior in the room. You don't want to talk over people who are experiencing these issues. And so the podcast and the Phone of Feminist segment seems like a kind of a natural way of breaking down some of those walls and talking to each other in a really open and inclusive format as much as we can. Academic and the Activist, the space where the halls of academia hit the mean streets of activism. We talk about all things political science, feminism, and fun. With your hosts, the academic, Amanda Bittner, and the activist, Jenny Wright. We respectfully acknowledge the territory in which, which we gather as the ancestral homelands of the Beata in the island of Newfoundland, as the ancestral homelands of the Mi'kmaq and Beata. We would also like to recognize the Inuit of Nunatsiavut and Nunatugavut, and the Inu of Dasinan and their ancestors as the original people of Labrador. We strive for respectful relationships with all the peoples of this province as we search for collective healing and true reconciliation. And, and honor this beautiful land together. Good evening, you're listening to The Academic and The Activist. As you've probably noticed, I am neither Amanda nor Jenny. Uh, so today we're actually gonna be trying something a little bit different on the podcast and this radio show. We are passing the mic on to the students of the Gender and Politics Research Lab here at Memorial. Most of the time, we're fairly behind the scenes. We help out with some of the research, some of the planning and logistics, uh, a lot of the editing work that's happening here. And so uh, Jenny and Amanda thought it might be interesting to give us the mic today and see what kind of <laughs> podcast comes out of it. <laughs> so first, we're going to do a quick introduction of all the incredible women who are in the room today. Then we're going to talk to Jenny a little bit to see her inspiration for the show, what her plans are moving forward. Unfortunately, Amanda is unavailable this morning, but Jenny's got a lot of involvement with the show, as you know, so hopefully we'll be able to get a good idea of their inspiration from her. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the lab itself, our involvement with this podcast and what that looks like. And last but not least, we're doing the phone a feminist. So stick around. I hope you enjoy the show today. And now for some introductions. I'm Catherine McLaughlin. Um, I am a fourth year undergraduate student at Memorial. I study political science and psychology. And my main research interests are kind of political psychology and voter behavior. I also serve as the executive director of advocacy with the Mun Students Union, which is the largest chunk of my time these days. But I've also been involved with the Gender and Politics Lab for two years now, and I've kind of also been kicking around on the podcast since it started out last year. My main roles here have been mostly research, social media, and advertisement, and just kind of attending the recordings and helping out wherever I can. Okay, um, I'm Brooke Steinhauer. I am a first-year master's student in political science. My research interests include political behavior, public opinion, and elections, especially when they intersect with gender. This is actually my third year being involved with the Gender and Politics Lab. I've been kicking around since its conception. But this is actually my first time working on the podcast as a researcher. And uh, I'm really excited to get involved on the research front. 
Hey, uh, my name is Holly Fox, and I'm an undergraduate student studying political science and gender studies, and I'm also completing a certificate in Indigenous Studies. Uh, I have several research interests, including public opinion and voter behavior, queer and trans politics, as well as the global political economy and its relation to Indigenous sovereignty struggles. Uh, in the Gender and Politics Lab, I do research on public opinion and elections for Dr. Bittner, and I also manage the production aspect of this podcast. And my name is Sorales Velos. I am a first-year master's student in gender studies here at Memorial, interested in studying uh, women's grassroots organizing and how that impacts policy development. Yeah, so I come from a kind of activism background, you could say. I spent about five years at the Women's Center in Calgary doing social issues coordination in communications and then before that I was working at a women's shelter so it was a while before I thought maybe it's time to go back to school and see what this is all about and yeah really drawn to the lab work because I wanted to maintain that collaborative kind of way of working and not sort of sit by myself on my couch and write essays all the time so <laughs> I mean I love that too but um, variety is, is good okay so now we're gonna switch it up and interview Jenny Wright So Jenny, what first inspired you and Amanda to start this podcast? That's really an amazing question, and I think it started with conversations that we were having as political junkies, that we just weren't seeing enough gender analysis in the media, Um, there wasn't enough analysis about why we weren't seeing uh, more women running, the problems with women running, Um, and there was not enough dialogue about what was happening with women in leadership. And so we would, you know, see uh, something in the news media um, about about the election or running, and immediately we'd notice, wow, there's absolutely no analysis about uh, who are the women running, where are they running, or why are they running, that the whole dialogue seemed to be really kind of heavily male-dominated. So... We thought, well, you know, why can't we do this? Why couldn't we have our own show that talked about um, gender and politics, that that blended you know, feminism and what was happening in, in, in the political landscape here in Newfoundland Labrador, but also um, in Canada. And we were just busy enough and silly enough to just go ahead and do it. And I, when we reached out to Hans and asked if we could, you know, if, if CMHR would host the podcast, but they were so open, and we were so grateful to them that they were open to take on newbies in, you know, in a podcast platform, and it was, we didn't know what we were doing, we just knew we wanted to do it, we knew we wanted more feminism, we knew we wanted more gender-based analysis, and we did it. Amazing. I think um, since this podcast got started, it's been a really cool experience to kind of see it grow and evolve and kind of sense a consumption. We as students have had the opportunity to be involved in different capacities. So I guess our next question would be, what has your experience been like working with students on this project? Well, we absolutely could not do the podcast without you because one of the greatest mistakes I think that Amanda and I did was we uh, didn't realize how busy we were and, you know, how life is constantly changing and issues come up and we get very excited and we say, let's talk about, you know, pleasure. Let's talk about, you know, women who are placed in ridings that they know they're not, they're not going to win and what, what the consequences are of that. But that means a lot of press. It means a lot of research. And we are, we are so busy that having you, uh, you know, right along aside us working helping us look at material doing the you know helping us with research and certainly the production side um that part it wouldn't happen without you the the other part which i think is really fascinating about working with the gender lab and working with you guys is as we begin to think or conceptualize what podcast we'd like to have next we we look at each other and we say will this be a learning experience for, you know, for the team? Will it be something that they'd have interest in, in researching and learning? Or what is it that they can teach us about this topic? And I find that absolutely fascinating. So there's the research, there's the learning, there's the collaboration. Um, And I literally couldn't imagine doing the podcast 
without your work. And it isn't behind the scenes. It's very, you know, it may be behind the mic, but I see it as a real kind of collaborative effort. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons why I was interested in joining this lab in the first place was knowing that this podcast was connected to it and having the possibility or the potential of getting involved with this work and connecting with the community in this way. Um, so I'm wondering how you see that relationship between pod- podcasting and the advocacy work that you do in the community. How is radio or public radio of this kind um, connected to creating change in, in these communities? I think it works on I think it works on several levels. The first thing that um, is really vital and I think appealing about um, a podcast is that it gives you a chance to go deeper into the issues. Um, so much of the information that we consume is a, a headline here, a, you know, a, a headline there, an infographic to help us understand, you know, major complex issues. And I don't think that's serving anyone well. But a podcast gives you basically a full hour to kind of unpack an issue, to get other people's perspectives and ideas. And you can really, you know, show the real complex layers that happen within issues in the community, you know, uh, around activism. So, for instance, if you're talking about an issue such as violence against women, you simply cannot delve into it, unpack it, and better understand it or hope to make change when you, you know, you've only got three-minute clip on mainstream media. The other thing that I like about podcasts, aside from its ability to really delve into an issue, to help people understand, to raise awareness, and also as a learning tool for yourself, is that they are free and they're accessible. And you can sit down and listen to your podcast or, or do your dishes or jog and take on an issue that you want to delve into more further when you are ready. So to me, the the fact that it's free, that it's accessible, that you can listen to it when you want to, and it gives us a platform to really, really look at the you know complex you know issues and conditions that we are living with every day. And and I think that is the you know the trifecta that makes podcasts absolutely vital for activism and for community work. Yeah, you you had mentioned earlier as well. There seemed to be a little bit of a gap in the media in Newfoundland around um, talking about gender issues or providing that analysis on things that were happening in in the community. Are there podcasts from other parts of the country that kind of inspired you or that you like that you'd recommend to uh, the listeners today? Um, so I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, but I have really eclectic taste. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, one of my favorite ones is one that's called Call Your Girlfriend, uh, which is a feminist podcast where two kind of, they call themselves besties that live at either ends of the country, uh, have uh, fantastic guests on, authors, activists, feminists, and, and, and they uh, really unpack some issues of the day. I really liked a podcast called Unscrewed by Jacqueline Friedman. And uh, she does a rotating ca- uh, cast of guests as well, and they kind of really untangle politics and culture of sex. Um, and they do a great deal of, of advice, uh, sex, uh, sex advice, but also pleasure activism, which I really, uh, really enjoy what they're doing on that podcast. Um, and I highly recommend it. I'm absolutely loving uh, Lisa Moore's podcast, which is being done at HMR right now, who hosts us as well. And I think it's called One Art. It's just brand new, coming um, off the charts. But I also listen to TED Talk dailies, and I listen to the dailies. So I also like to listen to the small snippet of, of news analysis um, on daily podcasts. The daily, I think, is really great at that. And uh, the little mini TED Talks, I think, are a wonderful way to kind of uh, get up to speed or get, you know, a little better understanding of an issue that, you know, that you're really interested. So there's so many podcasts, and and for folks who are kind of nervous about them, I just say, you know, plug in a topic that you're absolutely passionate about and hit it and just keep trying until you find one 
that works for you. Currently, I think I'm listening to about 15 podcasts. <laughs> Amazing. I think for me, one of my favorite kind of aspects of podcasts is the endless diversity of the topics that you can kind of dive into. So kind of on that note, um, we've kind of had the chance to unpack all sorts of issues on our podcast so far. So I'm kind of wondering what are highlights or favorite episodes or guests that you've had and kind of what stands out to you over the past two seasons? Goodness. Well, I always say our very first episode was a highlight for me because mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe we pulled it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look at us. We did it. You know, we decided we wanted to do something and we did it. And, and I, you know, have a great sense of pride for that. When I look over the seasons, I mean, I love the, well, first of all, I have to say that I love the phone of feminist aspect of our podcast. Absolutely. Because the breadth and depth of amazing women that we've had a chance to talk to and have a tiny glimpse into their lives is, is always a highlight to me. I really enjoyed our episode with Lisa Moore where we uh, mm-hmm. unpacked feminist text. I thought that was just uh, that was just an absolute highlight. And you know, I really like the one uh, where we had you guys with this come on and and talk about you know sexual violence in campus and to have that podcast kind of ready to go for the start of the year i thought that was a really important and really timely one um i I enjoyed that very much and i have to say i really enjoy doing the election recaps Mm -hmm. uh, because i'm an absolute political junkie and so is amanda and you know this ability to just you know, recap what has happened, try to crunch the numbers, try to put a, you know, a gender analysis on that. It's just, it's, I think they're the ones, those ones are the ones that get me really the most ex- excited, both the coverage that we did on the provincial election and then again on the uh, federal election. But I'm curious, which ones are your favorites? <laughs> it's funny, preparing for the episode, I'd written down my favorites and the ones that stood out for me were all of the election coverage and in particular the feminist book club with Lisa Moore I thought that was just my absolute favorite and I've just been working through all the books we've discussed since then but the other one that really stood out to me was the rage episode I I loved that episode and I felt like we could just do a whole podcast on that I agree and uh, I would love to do some more on that I think there's so much to unpack around rage and I know for me um, I was so blown away by Sorora Shemily's book, mm-hmm. Rage. But since then, I've done a lot of other reading and really come across some interesting feminist texts about just how complex women's rage is and the consequences of women's rage and the way we try to erase and silence rage. Because in truth, I believe that when women are angry, and work together, great change happens, great groundswells of, of transformation. And I think in general, the patriarchy, the status quo, misogyny, really doesn't want that to happen. I mean, look at the numbers globally that came out for the Women's March. It's, it's pretty interesting to look at both the kind of fuel that rage has, but also the kind of diversity of experience in rage and who really is allowed to feel it and to what extent and how that impacts different groups differently so yeah that's that's a topic I could explore for days <laughs> well, it, it, absolutely exactly it's, it, it's the pieces that's almost most interesting is what is the consequences of women's anger and what are the consequences of, of some women's anger so women of color and indigenous women marginalized women poor women what happens to them when they show anger uh it's just uh, and of course that the, the the consequences are hugely negative, and we could talk about that forever. But I think we really, that is something that I would love to see us continue on talking about and unpacking because I think it relates so much to politics, so much to community work. So I'm really glad that you loved, loved that episode and the lesson recaps too. That's, that's fantastic. What would you say are some of your goals or your aspirations for the show moving forward? What would you like to see for the next few seasons? Oh, that's a big question because I just want to say so many things. I think what I'd love to see is the ability to reach out to other activists and other movements in Canada.
Canada and, and globally, the ability to phone them up when you see uh, someone doing a direct action in BC or someone doing a direct political action in London, England, is the ability to phone up and say, why are you on the streets? What is the issue? You know, is this effective? What help do you need? What change are you trying to make in the world by this? Because I think activism at times can be hugely uh, isolating. I think that activists need huge solidarity and that we can learn um, from other activist movements that are happening around us and that we can be buoyed up from them and, and, and have faith about what's happening. And in the same way, I'd love to see that happening in academia as well, you know, reaching out more and saying, look at this incredible paper, you know, that was just published on London that is dealing directly with women in the electoral system. Let's talk to that academic right now and, you know, what were the learnings and, and, and what did we do and why did they choose that research? Because I really think there's such a connection, uh, an important connection that needs to be had and a, and a collaboration between the halls of academia and, as we say, the main streets of activism. So any way that we can reach out to activists and academia in, in, a, in a stronger way across Canada and globally and show how their work is, is, is collaborative and overlaps and sounding like a sap and making a better world, that's the part that really excites me. Yeah, I, I definitely see this as an opportunity to sort of highlight the work that's going on and seeing how people in the community who might not know what is happening can contribute to it, can be supporting the work that the activists are doing here in St. John's and other parts of Newfoundland. We've had phono-feminists from all over, so it's really exciting to hear what people are working on. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to know, how has it been um, producing and researching and collaborating with these you know, two women that are clearly full of a lot of ideas, but super busy. And that's the last minute stadium. Oh, can we produce this podcast in 48 hours? I mean, I think about it a lot. It must be incredibly stressful. So we have Holly in the room here, who's our um, behind the scenes producer. She okay. does all of the editing. Unfortunately, she's not plugged into a mic right now, which is kind of typical for her in this room, but she's a machine. So we're, we're going to have a chance to plug her in a little bit later and hear from her as well, what her involvement um, feels like on her end. But I, I would say for myself, like I'm, I'm brand new. I've only really been involved for the last month or so and helping out with some of the logistics. So right now I'm just in this brainstorming phase of all the things that I want to maybe do in the future. What about you, Kat? How has it been for you? I found it a really rewarding experience. It's been pretty interesting just kind of being in the room, hearing you guys go have the back and forth and kind of having those perspectives from both the academic and the activist side of things. And I think that even though like we often work on a tight turnaround and we have a lot that we're kind of juggling that all of us that are involved in the lab are here because we're all very interested in the topics at hand so even though sometimes it's a quick idea or you know we're moving quickly I think that we all are very very interested in women in politics and women in the media and feminism and all the kind of aspects of things that we talk about and I think that that really helps kind of fuel the work that we do so I mean I found it to be really really interesting and rewarding and um it's been exciting as well seeing it evolve from the conception to here we are season two and the team's growing and I think it's all been really exciting. You know, it's that, that what you just mentioned about the excitement about women and politics and leadership. I have to say, and I know it's the same for Amanda, is that when you get excited about a topic or you bring forward a topic that you're excited about and we can see that real kind of desire to get going on the topic and interviewing people and bringing forth research, that really pumps me up. That's when I'm like, yes, this is working. This is, there's this, you know, reciprocal excitement about we're talking about things that are important to a lot of people, but they're important to, you know, young women and in university and political science who are going to get out there and make their mark on the world that they're literally going to change the world. I'm just 
so proud of you guys as a team and what you're doing and what you're doing with this podcast. And when you get excited about anything we're doing, that's the moment where I'm like, yes, this is a good thing. Yeah, I think I think speaking for myself, it's been just a really amazing experience to have this opportunity, and I'm just excited to see where we kind of go with it. So thank you so much for letting us kind of switch roles and give you a call today. Oh, I love being on the other side of the mic. We'll have to absolutely do this again. Thanks so much. Sounds great. Thanks, Jenny. So that was Jenny Wright telling us about her experience with the podcast. Um, now we're going to turn it back to these amazing folks in the room. For you folks, what has it been like working on the podcast so far? Some of you have been involved for a long time. I'm brand new. Tell me what it's been like. Um, I think for me, when I first heard about the podcast, just the title kind of caught my attention, the academic and the activist, because I feel like that's kind of where I am suspended with my research and my life, because much like you, I, I have most of my experiences in advocacy and activism, and for me, that kind of divide between academia and activism is there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And I think when I first kind of heard the idea for this podcast, I was really excited to kind of see what was going to come out of it. For me, one of my favorite parts has been all of the different women that we've brought into the studio and into the episodes, and kind of there's so many different people with different walks of life and different experiences and kind of getting to have all of this varying input on issues that I think we're all very passionate about has been just amazing. To channel Amanda, all the badass women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you two? What's production like, Holly? Um, it can be stressful, but it's usually pretty fun. The recent episodes that we've been doing with the intro over music, the new little snippet, that's been really fun to produce and find like highlights and bits that Amanda and Jenny say that are hilarious to put at the beginning of that for our <laughs> listeners. So I really like that portion. Aside from that, like working with a podcast has been a really like interesting medium to get out information. Like, I know as working within the academy, we're constantly like reading and doing research, but we don't often get to listen to information. Yeah. Was this your first time like editing a podcast or audio? Did you learn as you went here? Um, I used to play music when I was younger. My dad is actually um, an audio engineer, so I've had oh. like I've tinkered around with things when I was younger. But I've never like worked on an actual podcast or had to synthesize big bits of sound. So that's been a new experience for me or a new skill that I've learned. Yeah. No, that's amazing because as you might not know, Holly being behind the scenes so much, she's always the one who picks up on when we're like dropping pens or coughing in the corner. So <laughs> it's, it kind of makes sense now is where you get that... Um, that ability to hear all the things that we're not even noticing in the background. It's a really incredible skill. Mm -hmm. uh, and Brooke here is our researcher on the show. Yeah, so I think for me being new to the podcast, but like not new to the Gender and Politics Lab, I watched the podcast since it started and I always thought, well, like, what can I contribute to this? Because I feel like I'm so heavily focused on like the academia side of things and I'm always doing research and so I thought I don't think I have anything to contribute and I was kind of shy on getting involved and I was in the throes of my honors thesis in my undergrad and you know but then when Amanda mentioned that there was a, you know a research position available to be filled I got super excited because it kind of ties like what I do all the time into something that is new and exciting and I, I think it's a super cool opportunity and I feel very lucky to uh, have you guys let me in. Yeah, it's like a nice little tangible piece of work that isn't academic to work yeah. on. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, I love how it's been able to sort of work on our strengths and that we're all able to contribute different things that we're comfortable with or that we have some familiarity with. But it's also a really neat opportunity to learn something totally different. Mm -hmm. like radio is not really a normal part of an undergrad degree. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to walk away from this experience with um, some pretty useful skills, I think. Um, do you think like your involvement in, in the podcast or in the lab altogether is going to change the longer that you're in it? Do you want to take on different roles or is there any skills that you wish you could learn that are related to it? I definitely want to get better at talking on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing production, but talking is actually a lot more fun than I expected. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We're going to interview every week now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like it's the same for me. I'm not used to 
besides talking in seminar classes mm-hmm. or like maybe presenting my work at the conference. I'm not used to talking about the stuff that I'm interested in in this kind of medium. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, conversational. Yeah. I think a common theme that comes up over and over again in our weekly lab meetings and even our conversations with each other is this huge sense of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I started, I was always like trying to sit in the corner quietly and just take notes of what they said. And now like a couple seasons later, this is my second time being behind the microphone, which in both cases, I was kind of like, no, don't choose me to do this job but I think that overall I've really really enjoyed it and it's been really rewarding and I think that it's kind of amazing to for us as students to have this opportunity to really be actually involved and giving our input and like having a say and a voice at the table in a way that I know that we don't always feel like we should or it's deserved and I think that in the end it's so rewarding and each time makes me feel a little more confident to do a similar kind of activity or experience. So it's certainly evolved. It's also like a public outlet to let us like nerd out a little bit. (laughs) I think it's also a good way of challenging some of those sometimes traditional roles that women get placed in. Like to be in the room with the microphone to share your ideas and your your concerns and your opinions on things, but also the roles that students get put into where you're often the person who's listening and taking notes. So it's a nice way of like balancing the skills a little bit to have this opportunity to, to be a voice, quite literally, just yeah. talking into <laughs> space. Um, how do you see this like this podcast or, or your work in the lab in other ways relating to activism? Like this is supposed to be kind of bridging the gap between the two or sitting on the fence. So... Yeah, we always talk in my courses with Dr. Bittner in public opinion about how the information that everybody gets is different. So having this podcast, I feel, is just like an accessible way to get political information and engage Mm -hmm. more people in the conversation. And I just, I love that aspect of it. It's definitely a way to bridge the gap between scholarship and activism by actually reaching out into the community and producing something that might be helpful for them. I think accessibility is a huge part, too, because oftentimes to a lot of people, academia and activism, especially in the political sphere, is scary, Mm -hmm. and you don't always understand what's going on, and it's confusing, and there's so much information, and so having a podcast that's, you know, led by two women, and it's accessible, and we're talking about topics that everyone can relate to... um, makes it easier to bring academia and activism to the public sphere. Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy with the podcast is that we have both academic, this activist perception inside of things, but then we're also bringing in guests who are are kind of raising up their own experiences with whatever issue it is we're talking about. And I think that part of really having real conversations is having, you know, real voices at the table of the people who are doing the groundwork. And I think that that's made really added a solid dynamic to the podcast and having those guests and the phone feminist aspect as well just kind of broadening who we're hearing from and the different perceptions and where everyone's at in their life has just been I think it's really lovely to kind of take in and like um, Jenny had mentioned earlier you can kind of listen to these discussions you know while you're washing dishes or in your car and it's different than having to kind of sit down and tune your brain in and trying to like take in you know academic information it's more for me anyway much more accessible and enjoyable and I feel more engaged with it yeah yeah I find this is a a common topic of conversation in gender studies as well as the how do you reach out into the community and do something that's going to create some sort of positive change um, but also recognizing some of the pitfalls. Like you don't want to be the white savior in the room. You don't want to talk over people who are mm-hmm. experiencing these issues. Um, and so the podcast and the Phone of Feminist segment mm-hmm. seems like a kind of a natural way of breaking down some of those walls and talking to each other in a really open and inclusive format as much as we can. Um, yeah, so I, I have one more question for the group here. Um, if you could organize a show on any topic, if you had like a magic wand, wanted to talk to any person, alive or dead, anything like that, who who would you like to talk to? What the, what's the topic that you'd want to tackle? One thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is kind of generational activism and feminism and how, 
you know, as our society kind of changes and evolves, how that impacts the way that we, you know, are involved with our communities and how we actually perform activism and what does that look like. This has been on my mind a lot lately with, um, you know, the Fridays for Your Future, which is being led by high school students and largely female high school students who are doing amazing things kind of across the country and the world. And especially here in St. John's, we're seeing, you know, these groups of young women and they're standing up and making really making a splash. Like they're one of the, the largest protests that the city has seen. And these are being led by high school students or students just out of high school. And for me, I'd really like to kind of explore that, you know, have discussions between what is it like as a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old who's having a huge role in activism. That's That's been on my mind a lot lately. And then another kind of aspect is I love the phone of feminist. And one of my favorite parts of that is what are you reading? And so I was thrilled when we did the book club episode because that was just like so exciting for me to have this list of you know what I can take in what I can read next and I think if anything I'd love to kind of explore that on more levels um so we asked Jenny what podcast are you listening to I'd love to do that with more students and more guests yeah I think for me I've got like a long list of things I'm like oh that would be so cool and my overactive brain is always thinking about something But Kat kind of touched on this earlier, and I think I'd be really interested in doing an episode on imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because I'm in this grad school bubble where I'm like writing and reading and I'm like, oh, everything I do sucks. And why am I here? (laughs) And who accepted me into this program? (laughs) But it's really interesting to hear from successful female academics, female activists, and how, you know, they're leading the charge, but also have these doubts and how they combat that especially being a lot of women who are in like the public sphere and the public eye and working on media and how they deal with those criticisms and keep pushing on no it's I think a very real issue that a lot of people are experiencing that you know whether it's writing in the paper or being behind the microphone like there are other people out here who could do this why did they pick me um I think for me personally I'd be really interested in doing um, more episodes or, or including more stories from Indigenous women in the area. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned I'm um, from Alberta originally, and it took me an embarrassing amount of time to become more familiar with kind of the Indigenous communities in that area and uh, the issues that were happening there. And I don't want to wait 20 odd years <laughs> to <laughs> feel like I have some sort of understanding of what's happening here in Newfoundland. So that would be one of my goals. But this may be a good time to throw it back to the listeners, too. Like, if you have any ideas for future shows or things that you really think that Amanda and Jenny should talk about in the future, let us know. Kat runs our social media, and she's amazing at it. And uh, you can tweet her or email her or otherwise find her on the internet somewhere (laughs) um, and let her know what, what you think we should be working on in the future. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about kind of your work here in the podcast? So as we've already mentioned, all of us are members of the Gender and Politics Lab here at Memorial University, and it's an awesome collaborative lab where we get to explore a bunch of different types of research and a bunch of different community events. And we wanted to highlight some things we have going on, some things we've been doing in the past, some things that are on our dream board. (laughs) We do have an event coming up. Yeah, so we our next kind of event is going to be a panel discussion that's still in the works, so stay tuned for more details. But it's going to be Women Who Fought and Lost at the Ballot Box. So we're hoping to talk to some different women from some different levels of government who had the experience of running and not winning and kind of what that experience was like, their thoughts, reflections, advice, all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be happening on November 28th in the evening but like we said that's still being worked on and we will have more details to come on that one we try to do as many community events as possible some things we've done in the past we did a gauging women's presence in municipal politics conference that had some local political figures and that was super awesome we also did a men masculinity and mindsets understanding gender and contemporary attitudes that was a really cool workshop and panel on the research front, we for the past two years, we've been working on a project called Gauging Women's Presence on Newfoundland and Labrador Municipal Councils. We presented a very rough version of that at APSA last year, and we're still kind of working on that and generating some new research, too. 
I think one thing that the lab is really good at is helping you cultivate your individual research skills and like work independently on these big research projects, but also learning how to work collaboratively because I think that's something that your, your undergrad doesn't really let you do. It's a lot of individual work. And so taking research that you're interested in and having three, four different sets of eyes on it too is really interesting and having ideas that you didn't think of is really cool and really helps with the research process when it's not just you writing a lit review that you really don't want to do. (laughs) We've certainly had a lot of opportunities to explore all sorts of different skills in the lab. So for me, I've really enjoyed all of the events, you know, planning the events, contacting women from kind of across the province. We've kind of explored a lot of different topics and had some really like interdisciplinary discussions that have been really interesting, as well as kind of engaging with the community. And then like Brooke was saying, we have so many um, opportunities to advance our own research and our own research skills, especially. But then also we kind of have the opportunity to kind of bounce off of each other and I find it very inspiring to sit down in a room with women who are all have similar interests but there's still so much diversity in that and there's so many facets of gender and politics and just so many different directions that we're all kind of looking at that I find that very inspiring for my own research. And I think Amanda does a really great job of leading us but also giving us our own independence to pursue what we want to pursue and it's great that we have someone who keeps us on track and gives us advice and helps us make connections with people in the community and people in academia but then also lets us kind of run wild yeah I like that it's um it's almost flipping the script on like that dreaded group project that you Mm -hmm. have sometimes in an undergrad class where in this case you know that all the other women at the table are equally invested and really wanting to support each other and work Mm -hmm. together and so it's really nice to have this opportunity once a week to just share what's going on in your life and Mm -hmm. get advice and connect and then also work together on something that's going to end in a product or an event or something that you can be really proud of at the end of the day so it's been really great getting to know all of you. Yeah, that's something that's really cool about the lab, too, besides all of the awesome research and events that we get to do. It's like a lot of times, Jenny talked about this in her interview, and we talk about it a lot, academia and activism can be very isolating, and you don't always make friends, and it can be hostile, and it can be competitive. But I think the lab has been a really great place to develop friendships and like a comfortable, safe space. Mm-hmm. And even our lab members who have moved on, um, like Michelle Irving, who we're calling for phone a feminist, we're all still really close and able to continue to talk and work with each other. And that's pretty awesome. So that's the end of our non-hostile takeover of (laughs) Academic and the Activist this week. Uh, We'll be back to some more regular programming in early 2020, so keep an eye open for that. Um, And yeah, give us your feedback. Let us know what kinds of topics you'd like to hear in the future. Uh, We really appreciate the opportunity from Jenny and Amanda as well to sort of share our voice and our experiences and what it's like for us to work on this podcast. Thanks for having us on. Please be gentle with us on social media. Okay, so I'm really excited to introduce our next phone of feminist, Michelle Irving. Uh, Michelle is a first-year PhD student in the Women in Politics program at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. She most recently completed her MA in Political Science at Memorial University in July of 2019, with research focusing on the self-presentation of provincial party leaders in Western provinces and how their traits on policy issue presentations related to gender stereotypes. While at Memorial, Michelle participated in the Gender and Politics Lab, working on a number of events and research projects, including gauging the women's presence in municipal councils in Newfoundland and Labrador. She has a Bachelor of Arts in Communications from Simon Fraser University and has worked in communications at the City of Calgary for several years. Let's go to her now. Welcome to Phone a Feminist. This is where we ask them in eight minutes to tell us what they're reading, what they're working on, and how they're resisting. Hey, Michelle. Hi, everyone. So uh, for our Phone a Feminist segment, we usually ask guests the same three questions. What is it that you're working on right now? What are you resisting? And what are you reading? 
And so you're totally welcome to answer those in whatever order works best for you. But yeah, what are you, what are you up to these days? Yeah, so I just started my first year in my PhD at Rutgers University in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. So I'm busy taking classes in uh, women in politics and American politics and getting reoriented here. So most of my time is built with classwork <laughs> and uh, not too much else, but I'm expanding my horizons a lot. So that's really great. In terms of resisting, since uh, most of my time is taken up by classes, I'm finding mostly like citation politics is what I'm thinking about, particularly in classes outside of gender politics, like American politics. I'm trying to really think about in papers, who am I citing? Who am I giving power to? Ensuring that it's not just the classic scholars that are always cited because they're classics and trying to consider, you know, women and people of color that have really valid viewpoints that aren't cited as often. So I find that's, at this point in my research, the best way that I'm kind of resisting. And so are you reading anything for fun or is there anything in your coursework that you've read? Because it sounds like you're pretty busy. Yeah, so for fun, I've been slowly picking away at uh, Invisible Women by Carolyn Criado Perez, which is an excellent book. I think it came out this past March, and it really opens your eyes to basically how our, all of our data, everything that we know about the world is pretty narrow. <laughs> it's all you know based around men as, as the norm, and there's really a lot that we don't know about the world because we don't actually look at women in terms of any sort of data and that impacts public policy and life and so many things. It's a really super book. I've been working on it since August, so <laughs> I'm slowly picking away at it. Yeah, and alternatively, actually, in one of my classes, I was introduced to the book uh, Intersectionality and Intellectual History by Angie Marie Hancock. Um, I'm really looking forward to circling back to this book. I've read parts of it, but she does like a really great historical analysis on intersectionality. So you know, far beyond when it was, or far before when it was coined by Crenshaw, she looks at what are the origins and kind of like the themes of intersectionality that have come out of black feminism and a lot of like different black activists in the 1800s and before. So it's, it's really fascinating. I'm looking forward to digging more into that. That's super cool. And so you're in your PhD now and you worked with the lab the past two years while working on your master's at MUN. How would you say that the collaborative environment of the lab has helped you prepare for your PhD? Yeah, it's, um, it definitely helped in a number of ways. It's, the lab was such an excellent experience. It was great for bouncing ideas in terms of research. So it's definitely helped me shape how I think about questions and how I approach different questions just by being able to talk to different people in the lab and what they're working on and what their perspectives were. So in that aspect, it's really helped prepare me for the PhD and consider different perspectives when thinking about research questions. What was also really great about the lab was, you know, we would all bring in our different research interests, and so we would read each other's areas of interest. So that's also helped expand my, my area of interest in, in gender politics. So I came into this PhD with a lot more knowledge of different areas than I think I would not have had had I not uh, participated in the lab. Um, like it also, it was so great because it also helped develop, you know, collegiality in terms of like working with people and different viewpoints. And also because we were very fortunate to do some research projects together, it's also prepared me for more team research in the future, which I think is definitely part of the PhD process working with, with different collaborators which was really great with the lab. We were able to do some original research and attend some conferences and kind of navigate how do you do a research project with a team, which can be quite challenging. So I feel like I really learned a lot through that experience as well. The lab is just, I do miss it. <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> I'm just wondering, as far as someone who's working into their PhD, wrapping up the first semester, talking to some grad students and some undergrad students, do you have any tips what would you say are things that you wish you had known six months ago? Uh, where do I even start with that? <laughs> um, there were a lot of challenges coming into my PhD for several reasons. So I guess one, what I would advise for people considering PhDs is if you're going to go internationally, like I did, that brings its own set of challenges. Even if it is to the, you know, we always think the states in Canada 
isn't that different, but just in terms of managing and getting oriented with classes, there are a lot of additional international barriers that shouldn't be that hard, and it's almost like paperwork-based, but it, that eats up a lot of your time. So it just makes it more challenging to get settled and to kind of get into the routine and get comfortable in your studies when, you know, it's, it's November and I'm still dealing with some of these administrative issues. So that's a huge set of challenges uh, when you're going internationally. I think even if you're making a, a larger cross-country move for a PhD, it can be challenging just in terms of like budgeting and financing. And, you know, there's just a, an additional set of costs that you may not necessarily think of or think will be that much of a challenge when you're entering your PhD, but it, you know, it adds just that extra mental load when you're trying to do your classes. In terms of the actual coursework and after, you know, survive, I almost survived my first semester, I would say it's more intense. So you definitely need to be passionate about what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to know, I think, the question that you want to investigate, but it's important to kind of be grounded in an area that you're interested in. And I think what's great about PhD and the coursework is that, you know, you get two years to explore different all sorts of different questions through your courses but I mean ultimately you want that to be beneficial to your dissertation so it's I think it really is imperative to kind of know like the area the field that you want to study and immerse yourself in but that being said you know there's so many great opportunities and you get acquainted with a lot more perspectives in the literature so it, you can really like expand your scope which is very exciting. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Michelle. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening, feminists. We're drawing on airline. You've been listening to The Academic and the Activist with Amanda Bittner and Jenny Wright. Produced in St. John's, Newfoundland at CHMR 93.5 FM. Our theme music is Gravity by Amelia Curran. We'd like to give a shout out to Hans Rollman for producing the show, to Robin Pike for designing our graphics, and to the Gender and Politics Lab at Memorial for help with research, production, and prep. If you want to get in touch, email us at theacademicandtheactivist at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share.